0: Good morning, friends, at Great Hills Baptist Church. What an absolute honor it is to get to be with you. Pastor Danny and the staff came by our office and viewed a trailer to the new film that's coming out on Tuesday night called The Insanity of God. And uh, if you've not gotten that on your calendar, please let me encourage you to go and to see that. And uh, I was so appreciative after getting to interact with he and the rest of the staff. The uh, invitation was extended to come and to be with you today. I feel like I'm amongst friends, Uh, so many of you I know and recognize and uh, thank you for recognizing me with the gray hair. Um, uh, Lately I've been recognized as Julie's father, not as her husband and uh, so you pray for me in that. That's always the downside of having such a beautiful wife. But uh, David, thank you so much and the worship team for leading us this morning. Uh, I've known she and Daniel for years, and it's such a treat to to get to be with you all. Uh, I'm sure glad that Preacher and James Tisdale wear the suit and a tie so that I feel at home uh, while that I'm here. And uh, I so appreciate Ashley so very much for being here, even though uh, Pastor Danny is away. He is preaching at Worcester Baptist Church, and our association has a connection with that church. And I really appreciate Pastor Danny's heart to be there. I got here early this morning. I was excited to see all that was happening by way of all the renovations. And can I tell you, even though that was exciting, I was very appreciative of all the welcomes that I received from y'all. I know this might sound interesting, you know, and I kind of stand out with a suit and a tie, but I'll visit churches, and many times I'll have to initiate conversation because everybody's doing their own thing, and they're meeting their own people, and they don't seem to have… A, a need to meet the guest or at least somebody that seems out of place and so thank you for uh, the reception that I had received as I think about your church and the, the privilege it is to speak to you I thank you that you are a church that has a heart for the city I can remember the time when Jim Simbola and the city of Austin the body of Christ uh, larger than just your church gathered in this place and we packed it out to have a prayer meeting I can remember at least four occasions when I've sat on the platform along with our police chief to have graduation for the cadets of the Austin Police Academy. Your church seems to have a heart to minister to the city, and uh, I believe that God is going to honor that in a great way. You know, when God speaks about His church, when He references His church, He talks about His church being a house of prayer, a house of prayer for all a house of prayer that exalts and glorifies him. And one of the greatest invitations to prayer ever given to anyone was spoken to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 33 in verse 3. It simply says these words, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Now, for we old timers, that just knew the telephone. We used to call that God's telephone number. But this morning, based on the text interaction there, uh, it could be God's text number, his, His text there. I'm telling you folks, our Heavenly Father loves us so very much that He desires to communicate with us in every way possible. And often when you hear a verse like Jeremiah 33, 3, you come away and say, yeah, I know that one. And we forget that there's probably a backstory to it. So real quickly, let me encourage you that as you come across some of those verses that are just, man, they're just automatic. Yep, I know that one. Take a little time, maybe read the uh, the chapter before or after. Maybe read the entire book in which you find that great verse and see if you can find the background behind it. I want to share with you this morning that prayer is our greatest source of untapped power that our spiritual life will never rise above our prayer life. And I want to share with you this morning that there is no prayer too hard for God. There is no problem too big for God. There is no person too lost for God. And there is no promise too difficult for God. Nothing lies outside the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. Charles Spurgeon once said, prayer is nothing but taking God's promises to him and saying, do as you've said. When you plead his promise, then you will live in his will. Psalm chapter 145, verse 13, say these words, the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. Now that verse by itself call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know, has power in and of itself. But I think there's a depth there that we miss when we don't know the background, when we don't realize kind of the backstory of that. Let me see if I can give it to you. The verse was given to a prophet of God, a guy by the name of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was God's mouthpiece. The scriptures as we have them were not written. God was not in the business of writing things. He was into the business of speaking to an individual, a prophet, and that prophet would deliver the message. Due to the disobedience of God's chosen people and after warning them upon warning them upon warning them, God announced that he was going to punish them. They were going to be punished by a foreign neighbor a foreign neighbor that was evil and all against God. And so Jeremiah comes to the king, King Zedekiah, and in verses, in Jeremiah 32, 3 says, I am about to hand this city over to the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. That's about all Zedekiah needed to know. He was so incensed by the word that Jeremiah had given him that he threw him in jail. But there was something that God had told Jeremiah in this prophecy that he was to deliver to Zedekiah. I will at some point redeem you. I'll bring you back. In fact, that becomes a story in and of itself because he tells Jeremiah, God does, go ahead and buy some property, which gave him the inkling or the idea that you know, in a period of time they would be back in this land and God would be doing great things with them. So Jeremiah is in jail. He's in chains. He's the laughingstock of everyone. And it's in jail. It's in prison. It's in confinement that God comes to Jeremiah and says, Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Now, if anybody... If anybody ought to be of the mind that I know that God's always available, I know that I can always call on him, it's Jeremiah. But before we get too harsh on Jeremiah for forgetting the fact that he could call on God at any time, isn't it true maybe in our lives that we find ourselves in situations and in positions where we forget that God is there, that we can call upon Him. It says in Jeremiah 33 in verse 1, it says, While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. Jeremiah evidently doesn't have any friends, or at least any friends that will admit to it. He's in prison, he's confined God's come to him once and God comes to him now a second time and he experiences God's presence at that time but then he is reminded of God's power because in verse number two it says this is what the Lord says he who made the earth the Lord who formed it and established it the Lord is his name the idea for Jeremiah is that God since God's the creator he can handle any chaos or catastrophe that I'll go through. And I hope that you and I in our lives realize that not only has God saved us, that he, but He can take the problems of our life and He can minister to us. Jeremiah knows all about God's power. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 17 and 19, he says these words, O Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heaven and the earth by Thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, is his name, great in counsel and mighty in work. And it's in this setting that God tells him in verse number 3 of Jeremiah chapter 33, Jeremiah, call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know So with that as the backstory, in our lives, do we call on God? Do we expect God to answer? And do we expect God even beyond that answer to show us great and mighty things beyond what we could ever imagine? And this morning, I want us to talk about the power of prayer, the power that we have in this relationship, in this communication with Almighty God. So let's break this verse down into to three components. Calling on God. God doesn't tell us that we have to do anything. We have to perform any activity. We have to go to a certain place. We have to be a certain thing. He just says call. The simplest of, simplest of acts is what God asks or, or suggests to us that we do. Psalm chapter 145 and verse 18 say, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. As natural as prayer should have been to Jeremiah and as ready readily as he should have recognized God's voice, for some reason he must have resisted or been in such, such despair that he resisted reaching out to God even through this tough time. But as I replay all the characters that I know or many of the characters that I know in Scripture, I come across a lot like that. Jonah, instead of crying out to God, goes below deck and, and falls into a great sleep. The Lord laments in Isaiah 43 verses 22, yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob, you have not wearied yourself for me, O Israel. God's chosen people. The disciples at the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now, we, unlike all of these folks that I've referenced, we have the benefit of God's Word. And I hope that you use it regularly as an encouragement, as a, as a source of strength for you in your spiritual life. James chapter 4 and verse 2 say these words, you do not have because you do not ask. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 says this, Asking it shall be given to you, seeking you shall find, knock and the door will be opened unto you. I believe with all of my heart that the Lord is desirous of us calling upon Him. Calling upon Him and readily waiting, ready for Him to answer. Andrew Murray says God's giving is inseparably connected with our asking. Now, you say to yourself, I'd call on God, but I don't know what to ask. Well, the exciting thing to know is that you can ask Him anything. He's interested in every detail of your life. He knows the very hairs on your head. He knows the sparrows that fly. And we are more important than even the smallest of birds. But if we don't know how to pray, Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 tell us these words, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. So his first encouragement to Jeremiah is that he would call upon him. Call upon me and... And I love that word. You're ready for something. God says, call on me, and here we go. Call on me, and we're about to take off. Call on me... And I will. And I will. After we call upon the Lord, we need to be ready for His answers. And I will answer you. Psalm chapter 4 and verse 3, the Lord will hear when I call to Him. But isn't it true? Wouldn't I be honest in saying that sometimes we feel as though our prayers are not answered? Or would it be better for me to say it this way? If God doesn't answer my prayer the way I want it to be answered, then I kind of put that in the category of an unanswered prayer. You all are pretty stoic. You're not giving your hand away at all. But I think for many of us, that's the case. I've heard a pastor say it this way. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong... God says, grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says, go. Spurgeon had this insight. Even the Lord's people ask for things which it would not be for God's glory to give, not for their profit to receive. Philip Yancey great writer on prayer, by answering every possible prayer the way we want it to be answered, God would in effect abdicate turning the world over to us to run, and that would be scary. So how do we know? How do we know what to bring to God in prayer? Well, my encouragement to you is bring all of these things to God in prayer, and if you bring them to God in prayer in such a way that you say, God, however you choose to answer, I'll receive that, I believe that what happens in that exchange, in that conversation, is that God begins to give you peace, or God begins to give you a a sense of direction in that request. But are there some conditions? Are there any conditions on us to having our prayers answered? You know, this kind of a verse, Jeremiah 33, 3, makes for a really nifty plaque that you could hang on your wall. And folks, prayer is not just some lucky rabbit's foot that we rub and we hope that, you know, everything happens the way that we want it to. The Bible does put some conditions on God answering our prayer. And I apologize this morning, I'm going to work through this very rapidly, but uh, if you rewind the tape, you can you can look at these. What are the conditions on God answering prayer? We must make sure that we're a born again believer. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. The second condition that we find in Scripture, and there are multitudes of these, so I'm not going to be giving you an exhaustive list this morning. We need to make our request in Jesus' name. John chapter 14 and verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You say, well, what's the significance of that? Well, there's power in the name of Jesus. But if we truly pray in His name, we're submitting it, we're submitting this request under His direction, under His approval. The third condition ask according to God's will. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Are we asking in accordance with God's will? God loves to answer prayer when what we want and what He wants come together. What is another condition? Confess all our known sins. Psalm chapter 66, verse 18 If I have cherished sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Here's an interesting one for you a condition on God answering our prayer. Live in peace with your spouse. What? 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You mean there's something about my personal relationships that also also could have an impact on my prayer. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 speaks of forgiving those who have wronged us as a condition of God answering our prayers. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins." We must make sure that our motives are right. James chapter 4 and verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Oh my goodness, that's a tough one. Staying close to Christ is a criteria or a condition. James 15 verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 9, if anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable, that we need to listen to and even obey God's word. And then in Proverbs 21 and verse 13, be willing to share with the poor. If any man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Now, you could very easily look at that list that I have rapidly run through, and you said, well, thanks a bunch for pouring cold water on my prayer life. Because I'm finding that there's a lot of areas here that i got to do some work on. But folks, when our life is in line with God's will for our life, and then when our prayer requests are in line with His will, will, God does great things. It doesn't mean that all of our problems go away. In fact, I think that's what's so amazing about the fact that the story is about a prophet of God, somebody who should not have questioned at all God's answer or God's... uh, willingness to to step into the situation, but it's Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah, as spokesman for God. So we call on God. We expect God to answer. And in all of that, God's going to reveal to us great and mighty things. So thankful that Julie could be with me this morning and so thankful for the opportunity to dialogue uh, about sermons and thoughts. And as we were talking about this even last night this great and mighty things. What does that mean? I mean, we've had requests that we have taken to God, and God hasn't answered, and there doesn't seem to be a great great and mighty thing in that. And as we kind of talked about this, I think one of the conclusions that we came to is God's going to reveal those great and mighty things, sometimes here on earth, sometimes in heaven, and in eternity. And we cannot be hindered and we cannot be downstruck by the fact that we're not going to know exactly now how and why and what and all of the dynamics of that, but we're going to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and allow the Lord to direct us. We expect that God is going to do something bigger and better, a grander scheme than what we can imagine. So let's go back to the story of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, in chapter 33, beyond verse number 3, God begins to give Jeremiah promise after promise as to what he's going to do, and he begins to describe these great and unsearchable things. In verse number 6, he tells him, I will bring healing and give abundant peace to your people. Verse number seven, I will bring my people back to the land. Verse number eight, I will cleanse them and forgive their sins. Verse number nine, Jerusalem will once again have honor and renown. Verse number 11, there will be shouts of joy and gladness again. Verse number 12, there will be pastures for the flock. Verse number 14 and 15 are very, very much something that we should focus in on because he promises, I will raise up my righteous branch in the throne of David. What he's telling Jeremiah is, this is where the Messiah is going to come, which is pretty impacting for us because that's the line of Jesus. And then in verse number 26, I will restore their fortunes and have compassion on them. Now, as I stand before you this morning, I wish that I had a list for each one of us of the great and mighty things And I'll be honest with you. I wish that my life were like Jeremiah's in the fact that, man, God tells him, call unto me, and immediately God's coming back with the, these are all the things that I'm going to do for you. But one of the powers and one of the blessings and one of the joys of being a part of a fellowship of believers like this is an opportunity for us to share with one another how God has worked and how God has moved and how God has answered prayer. Because as we begin to see the great and mighty or unsearchable things in the lives of other people, you know what it does? It brings a blessing to us, and we begin to say to ourselves, you know what, God can do that for me. He can and He will. And that's His great desire. And as a church fellowship, if that will be the focus of our attention, if that will be the cry of our heart, if that will be what it is that we seek, God will answer. Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So in your life today, as you look at your life, as you look at your prayer life, or the lack thereof, what do you see? Have you turned things over to God? Have you, as... God extended to Jeremiah and ultimately as He extends to us the opportunity to come to Him, do we take those requests to Him? Is there anything about the prayers that we're bringing to God that would be outside of the realm of His will or His purpose? It is important for us to note, it is important for us to remember that everything that happens, God works together for our good and His glory. Everything. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. And so we can rest in that. Yesterday afternoon, Julie and I uh, took in a movie called Greater about a young man that was a a football player. And uh, I won't give away the story as best I, I can there. But there was a lot of question marks, especially for those of believers, as to why things happened the way that they did. And maybe it will be not until we get to heaven, until we realize all of these things. But I can tell you that God is faithful. He is faithful to do, as Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 tells us, to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's the kind of God that we serve. And that's the kind of relationship that we have in this attitude and in this exercise of prayer that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. Our spiritual life is a reflection of our prayer life. What does our prayer life look like? Does our prayer life re- reflect a trust and a confidence and a hope in God? Or is our prayer life just something that we just kind of haphazardly throw together? I don't know if you realize this or not, but every Sunday morning a group of men meet with your pastor to pray for him before the service. One of the gentlemen that is in that prayer group was in the hospital this week. I mean, if you go to the hospital this week, you could probably get a get out of church pass next Sunday. I'm just saying. And yet this gentleman was there. Because that's where He is. That's His heart and that's His passion. I submit to you that God desires that His church be a house of prayer. And if it's a house of prayer, then it's made up a bunch of us who are prayer warriors. And my invitation to us this morning is this. Call upon the Lord and know that He will answer you and show you great and mighty things. If you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, then those conditions by which we rapidly work through this morning, is there a condition in your life that needs to be made right for God to be able to hear and in an unhindered way respond to your prayer request? If you're here this morning and you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you that in just a moment you'll have an opportunity to come and to speak with someone And they can introduce you to Jesus Christ and what what it means to become a Christ follower. But the other thing that I want to invite us to do this morning is just to pray. I mean, how do you respond to a sermon about prayer without praying? And so I'll be down front. I'm inviting Julie and David and Daniel and anybody else, Ross and whoever else, if, if we need more prayer people to come. But let's just come to the Father. And call out to him, knowing that he will answer and show us great and mighty things. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege of piggybacking on a, an encounter that you had with Jeremiah. God, we don't in any way want to make light of the fact that he's in jail. He's probably facing uh, death. And it would be very easy for him to, to be discouraged to the point that he's not ready. He's not thinking about calling upon you. God, I doubt that any of us here this morning are in that dramatic of a situation, but Lord, I pray this morning that as we move into this time of invitation, that Father, for those that have not given their life to you, they would consider the possibility of turning their life over to you and literally being in a position of being able to open lines of communication that are never busy with a loving and a caring and an awesome God. For those of us who've known you, Father, for years, maybe today is a call back to a life of prayer. Father, of all the things that we've taken on, the ministries and the service and the, and the things that we do for, for the cause of Christ, Father, may we not forget the importance and the value and the necessity of prayer. Lord, there's no mistake That when you described your church, you described it as a house of prayer for all nations. Not of preaching, not of worship, not of visitation, not of outreach, not of this, not of that, but a house of prayer. So may we submit ourselves to your heart's desire that we be men and women in prayer. Lead us, Father, during our time. May we respond in accordance to what your spirit and you direct us to. In your name I pray. Amen.